1: So much to talk about, Sean, with NFL week 10. So many things happened. It's going to be interesting to see what direction we take this show, which way we start. Just so many unique things, so many crazy things that happen. So, really looking forward to recapping it here on in our instant reaction podcast, which is brought to you by Blue Wire and WinBet. We'll talk more about WinBet later in the show, Sean. NFL week 10, as I said, explosive, interesting. Some players, some stars held down. Very, very small scores from stars, just put up huge, huge numbers. So, looking forward to talking about it today. How has week 10 been for you thus far? Well,
2: it was a fantastic week of football. So, that was very exciting. The Vikings Bills game, obviously, the game of the year to this point. Justin Jefferson's performance, probably the performance of the year, even though obviously we've had multiple 40 point games. We had last week Joe Mixon with a 50 point game. So, I mean, there's a lot of competition for that award. But what he did in the context in which he did it, pretty amazing. The Chiefs looked very good. Finally got a little bit from their run game. The Green Bay Packers looked like, I don't know, peak, but they looked like a 2019 to 2021 version of themselves. I think that that would have to be exciting for one, Colum Kelly and all of the fans out there in Green Bay and across the country of their particular players. We have a breakout performance there to chat about. Uh, From a fantasy perspective for me, it was a little bit of a rough slash frustrating one. As you get kind of down toward the end of the season, then your teams uh, condensed to an extent and what you need to have happen really crystallizes. You need players off of those teams that are doing really well to perform well and for me those rosters have a lot of exposure to jerry judy and gerald everett this year has had a lot of injuries early in the game that have been tough i mean if you have a guy who's out at least he's out and you can put somebody else in jerry judy goes down appears to step on the defensive backs foot turn his ankle on the very first play he puts up a zero And all of those lineups, I, the starting lineups should start deep enough to survive that most of the time you combine that with Gerald Everett, who looked like he might have a pretty good game. He catches a ball early, very excited. you love to see that enthusiasm, but at some point in there, enough of a groin pull that he plays very little in the second half and down the stretch. And I mean, they were obviously having to pass a lot and had no one to throw to. So he probably would have gotten targets. Obviously you never know. So that part's frustrating, but plenty of, of good and exciting things to talk about here in Week 10, and those Vikings has got to be where we start.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you where you wanted to start, to see you on your, your Chiefs hat. Obviously, they get one. We'll talk about them later. You mentioned the theme of the early injuries. Even last week, we had we had Romeo Dobbs. But we had a few games where we had situations with T Higgins. There's been a lot of games like that, so disappointing to see that happen again, and, and we'll see what happens with the injury news the other game big injury news obviously is cooper cup at the time of recording this no certain news but it it didn't really look good doesn't sound good so we'll see what happens there and we'll see if we get to that game in today's show or if it'll be on the the next episode where we finish up the recap but sean you mentioned bills and vikings this was an incredible game so finishes 33 to 32 minnesota who are now eight and one i've mentioned that i feel that they're a little bit of an overachieving team a little bit of a Paper Tiger team. And I'm gonna still feel that way, I think, after this one. The the Bills, in my opinion, really kind of did what they could to not win this game. They they have Josh Allen, obviously, who's questionable coming in. He has 330 yards, one interception, or two interceptions, one touchdown. Both of those coming in in the red zone, and that continues a theme based on last week. Up until last week, he had pretty much never turned the ball over in the red zone. Had two last week, and he has two this week. So that's four and two games. Obviously. There may be some of that that is the elbow injury but yeah, disappointing turnovers in both of these scenarios one of those being the the game sealer the other one being uh, a little bit earlier in the game is 84 yards rushing Devin singletary has two rushing touchdowns off 47 yards 13 total carries for him he leads the way in that backfield stefan diggs 128 yards and 12 receptions gabriel davis has uh, nine targets six receptions 93 yards and one touchdown so as you'll hear as i go through these numbers everyone can (laughs) got something in this game Dalvin cook 119 rushing yards one touchdown with a massive 81 yard long in that 14 rush attempts for him but justin jefferson sean is the story you mentioned his performance he has 16 targets 10 receptions 193 yards one touchdown one of those being a 46 yard reception but when we look at it then i've i've thought for a long time kirk cousins is propped up by by justin jefferson but cousins you know 357 yards one touchdown two interceptions the 357 yards is going to look like a solid day everything that he did was pretty much done by justin jefferson some incredible plays the amount of sub 50 percent completion plays that he did in this game was also incredible he had nine in this game Nine of 10 of his receptions were less than 50% completion percentage uh, expected by NFL next gen stats. So, pretty incredible performance, Sean. The big, massive reception that everyone's talking about comes with one minute and 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter. They are trailing at this point. It's a fourth and 18. My point here is defensive, like as amazing as that play is, I don't think he makes that play without the defensive back trying to tackle him because the defensive back tries to make the interception rather than knock the ball down for an incompletion. We want to see the fantasy points, though, so I'm happy with how it's it's played out, but I would have to imagine Bills fans are, are, are very disappointed in how that play went. But an amazing, amazing reception. I think I still put o- Odell Beckhams over it. Uh, is it your greatest reception? Uh, I won't say of all time, but of the modern era.
2: Yes, I mean... And I, it's interesting. Do we give an assist to the defensive back? An assist. I mean, it's like Odell Beckham's catch, but with a guy hanging all over him and batting away the ball.
1: It's and like an Odell Beckham's catch if you give ground, him two extra hands. It's like a three handed Odell Beckham catch. He no, has one hand no, on the ball. No. <laughs> the defensive back has this ball
2: picked. Jefferson manages to pull it away at the top, Odell Beckham esque, and then pull it away and hold it at the ground when it should have again been stripped. I mean, I, I've just never seen a catch like this. I mean, all of those one-handed catches that you
1: see are,
2: and there were multiple catches like
1: that today. And some uh, Cortland Sutton had an amazing catch as well, where he's fallen to the ground and catches with one hand. There was, and Devontae Adams had a couple, of them, but yeah, spectacular. I, I, I am kind of playing devil's advocate. Stephon here, so. Diggs had a catch today where he just rises
2: straight up sticks his hand up and sticks it. Rondell Moore has the catch today where it's a deep pass down the sideline, the defensive back interfering with him all over him, carries him out of bounds, catches a one-handed left hand on the sideline. I mean, there were amazing catches all over the place. I haven't seen the Sutton one. I'm excited to see that as I eventually watch that game. That game didn't have a lot going for it other than Jerry Judy. And when he was injured on the first play, (laughs) I was out. No, that was done for me. I mean, this Jefferson catch and. it, All of the next-gen stuff is really, really cool. Uh, I'm in no way criticizing it. I don't necessarily buy that there were nine sub-50% probability catches there, especially when you're throwing them to Justin Jefferson. I mean, any pass that Kirk Cousins throws (laughs) is a bad pass. It's a lazy wobbler. And in this game, it's a lazy wobbler in like the half snow, half rain. You know, The fact that both teams move the ball just shows how many good players they have. It was also an interesting game in that Dalvin Cook looked awful. I mean, he looked completely washed up, and then he breaks this 81-yard touchdown run where he outruns the guys with the angle. And so, you know, it it kind of emphasizes, again, how, I wouldn't say useless, but how watching the game, when we talk about all these kinds of things that we think the listeners may not have seen because there is all kinds of context and nuance and just fun. You know, if you didn't get a chance to see a certain play and someone else has, it's fun to chat with them, it's fun to listen to them talk about it ideally <laughs> and so we, we love going through these plays at the same time you know you can kind of get ahead of yourself because i was thinking that one of the storylines from this game might be that dalvin cook just doesn't look like himself anymore you contrast him to his younger brother who didn't end up with a good line but looks better than most of his lines indicate and then he breaks off this 81 yard touchdown and so he looks fine on that play <laughs> the vikings are going to have to get him going a little bit better sort of full game there were big important plays in this game where alexander madison was the guy it doesn't really seem like the vikings are that excited about him but they know they have him on the team and and unfortunately he makes this play i mean jefferson is just unreal just unreal and it's going to be exciting to watch him over the next decade because even with names like Randy Moss and Jerry Rice and Calvin Johnson. I mean, I think those are the three greatest wide receivers that we've seen. We've watched some players be good for shorter stretches. Obviously, Antonio Brown, not a short stretch, but just a little bit shorter there. I mean, he was absolutely unreal. What Cooper Cup has done from the beginning of 2021 until today. I mean, today was really the first chink in the armor. You get the backup QB, you get the injury, all of that. Just I don't have a lot of exposure there, so that one doesn't hurt me as a fantasy player as much as some of these other injuries, but just, you know, there are times when a context around a player shifts a little bit and knocks down his scoring level and it helps you because you don't have a lot. And, you know, you can kind of enjoy that because you're trying to win, right? We're all out there trying to win, but you hate to see someone in the midst of a run like what cup is currently having get knocked out due to injuries An ugly kind of play just from the perspective of bad luck kind of gets rolled up on that leg. It does seem like something that's going to be fairly serious there. So anyway, Justin Jefferson though, all of these plays extraordinary. No one gets tackled inside the one as frequently as Jefferson either. That ends up with this incredible sequence at the end of the game where it's a touchdown overturned. The Vikings trying to sneak it a couple times. And one of the problems that you have with the Kirk Cousins is that he also is not a good quarterback sneaker. He's not a big athletic guy. And so they fail a couple times. He's down at the one-inch line. But the issue there, and you could see even before this happens, that the Bills are in trouble because you have the real potential now for a safety, and then the Vikings will be not that far away necessarily from getting a field goal and winning the game i mean there were missed extra points that came into play all across the day on sunday harrison Bucker misses another extra point for the chiefs which is only frustrating if you're playing him in fantasy especially when he doesn't get any field goals but the bears lose because they missed an extra point the vikings were in a situation where they had to go for it instead of kicking a field but cold because they had missed an extra point and then and then you get the play where the vikings defense gets some penetration but josh allen not able to hold the football fumbles it, the vikings recover they go ahead, so this goes from the exaltation of victory to the demoralization of defeat, and yet it wasn't defeat because the Vikings then go out and play absolutely no defense. If there had ever been a defense played in the entire history of the NFL, and we talk about you know prevent defenses usually are used to get criticized and be a punchline every week from reality football fans, fantasy football fans, what have you. Now that all the teams are playing some version of the prevent, <laughs> you're like, Maybe defenses could be a little more aggressive. Let us throw some passes over the top. But what the Vikings did after they got that lead was extraordinary because their defense was so bad, they almost allowed the Bills to go down and actually score a touchdown. So that then gets you into the extra stanza where the Vikings were able to score, the Bills throw that game-ending interception. The earlier interception in the end zone was kind of interesting because that's a play where the Bills could have kicked a field goal to go up 13-13. Which getting going from 10 to 13, not as big a deal at that point in the game. But what it does allow you to do would be to take it from a touchdown and a field goal tying to needing the two touchdowns. Now, when you get down by, ahead by 13, the fear that you have, and this is something that vaguely played out in the Bears game, although not exactly, is that a team will go down and actually will score, stop you and score. Because now they have it very clear what they have to do. And a lot of times when the objectives become clearer, then you line up with that in terms of what you're calling and then the number of plays that you run, the, the going forward and forth down, all of those types of things. And so you're thinking, I mean, we want to get up by 17 and the game right here. The other thing you can do though, is that it puts you in a situation where you go up by 13 on your next possession. All you have to get then is a field goal to be in a situation where up two full scores right and so you know again from that perspective i think there is an argument there for them to kick if you have a weapon like josh allen where you have the run pass hybrid types of plays and even once the play starts obviously you have that optionality for him then you're more likely to do it one of the things that happened on this the teams do have to be aware of and, and a lot of times you have these fourth downs where the quarterback will not get any type of throwout will not throw it into the end zone and let his guys have a chance. And that can be frustrating because you're thinking it's fourth down, give him a chance. At the same time, you can't throw a ball directly to the opponent as Allen did in this one after it became obvious that he wasn't going to be able to execute a score because that ball was actually returned in a way that neutralized some of the advantage you get from going for it on fourth down, which is that you've buried him deep. Once that ball is returned, you don't have that. And so that was an issue on that play. Again, whether defender is going to be able to have that pretty decent return is not something you know when you release the ball but you do want to factor it in or at least consider that that can happen i didn't think that that one was as much of an egregious error because it's a fourth down obviously the game ender he'd like to have back
1: yeah a brilliant game i game of the year so far and i do think sean the catch was absolutely spectacular i just wanted to to see, give, soothe some of the Bills fans' paying out there, maybe, as it goes through. The other thing was uh, Gabe Davis and uh, and that drive you mentioned, where they, they do tie it up to force it to overtime as a catch, which, looking at the replays, isn't a catch and uh, wasn't checked by, by the officials. So another mark on the officials. you know, it's meant to be auto-checked by uh, New York. So we'll see. I'm sure that'll be swept under the carpet with the, the officiating as well. But, Sean, you mentioned it there. The Bears did lose in a game where it felt like they... Felt like Justin Fields really deserve to win this game anyway. Um 31-30 to the Detroit Lions. They go back to back weeks it's something that probably hasn't happened to them in quite some time. They get two division wins. They beat the Packers last week, beat the Bears this week, beat the um uh, beat the Bears on the road. So Jared Goff, quite quite enough day, 236 yards passing, uh, one interception in this one. My question in this for the Lions side will be what what's our thoughts on deandre swift we we get six rushing attempts for him for six yards he does get a touchdown to kind of salvage that day we have jamal williams 16 for 59 and one from him but amara saint brown this was the the first game in quite some time where he looked like his early season form he gets 11 targets 119 yards 10 receptions nobody else on the the lion's side has more than three targets beyond Ras saint brown cole Komet though continues sean he got in the end zone two weeks ago he got in the end zone last week he gets in the end zone twice again this week he has seven targets four receptions 74 yards and two touchdowns today one of those on a 50-yard play but sean again the, the story of this and i think the story moving forward for the the bears from a fantasy perspective is going to be what we do with justin fields he is 167 passing attempts two touchdowns one interception but he is 147 yards again the most by a quarterback through a five-game stretch in NFL history, I believe, at this point. So he had 13 carries, 147 yards, two touchdowns. So Fields has just instantaneously over those couple of weeks turned into what we kind of dreamed of when he was being drafted, you know, last year and again this season.
2: Yeah, and if there's a, a flip side to losing Judy and Everett for all those FFPC main event leagues. It is exciting to have all of the underdog teams continuing to rise up the leaderboard as a result of Fields, one of the highest drafted guys in that contest for me. And I know you emphasized him as well. He was one of our targets. He looked like a massive bust over the first month. It does give you a little bit of a reminder that the season's not a month long. And we do, especially for the younger players, and these are players that we target pretty heavily, you have to have some patience and you have to continue to believe in many cases. Now, you don't want to do it to the extent where you're hurting your teams over and over again because you ignore the evidence and you ignore new information. But it takes a little bit of time, and especially if you're new coaching staff as well. You don't have a lot of weapons. What Fields has done over this stretch has been nothing short of amazing. I was chatting with all of my different co-managers before the game started today about, you know, what we're doing with different lineups and lineup decisions Uh, had a, a little message back and forth with Curtis Patrick, who many listeners will obviously know from just his overall presence. And then the flagship show, he was asking kind of what I thought with fields versus Jalen hurts, who is also having, fantastic season today and i said well i mean you probably need to stay with hurts the guy who has got you there unless you need a 40 point game which is what justin fields (laughs) gave us again today so hopefully any listeners out there who needed a 40 point game and had fields as an option put him in the touchdown run again here just extraordinary to have that kind of size and that kind of speed i think a lot of Pundits and a lot of draft experts didn't feel like his size speed combination would really lend itself still to actual rushing at the NFL level. Not that he would never carry the ball, but that he wouldn't do this kind of thing. Now, what he's done the last month has been obviously 99.9% outcome. You're not going to get that very often. But the weapon that he is, and now the threat that this brings every single play. Is going to make it easier for them to pass the ball. He only throws 20 times, only completes 12. But the, a lot of these are big plays. I mean, it averages 8.4 yards per attempt. You mentioned commit Darnell Mooney caught all four of his targets today. I would argue that in, in this particular game, Mooney probably needs to be even more involved. Chase Claypool, whom they just recently acquired, not particularly involved. That probably will change going forward but you get all of these big plays the the flip side of that and the thing that any skeptics are still going to point to is that when they appeared to have this game won he did get out of the pocket overthrow comet by a pretty decent margin a little bit of a miscommunication possibly you get an interception and that interception completely changes the game it's a pick six by his former college teammate and Extremely high pick, top five pick in the NFL draft by the Detroit Lions a couple years ago. Jeff Okuda, who takes it back, and then a handful of plays later is when we get the 67 yard touchdown run from field. So he immediately answers the interception, which is cool. I mean, a lot of people would prefer to see the answer through the air because the running, it was a spectacular,
1: uh, it was a spectacular like 10 minute spell for him in two different ways.
2: Yeah, well, in And this play, you know, he just beats everybody. He had some plays today where he also did the Mark, the Michael Vick, where, and, you know, Ben and I have been talking about this on Stealing Bananas. He's a kind of a combination of Vick and Lamar Jackson, which obviously is a pretty high praise. But the reverse field types of runs that he had in this game, where he either bought time or he ends up then, you know, running for the first time. I mean, a couple. He had a 67 yard touchdown run and 80 additional rushing yards. It just, it's absolutely insane. Then they missed the extra point. Somehow the Lions are able to capitalize on this. The Lions score 31 points. And this is the kind of thing that happens when you trade away all of your best defensive players and you're flagrantly tanking the season. Because as you mentioned, I mean, Jared Goff didn't look very good. The running game, was awful. You have Jamal Williams averaging under four yards a carry. You have Justin Jackson averaging under four yards a carry. You mentioned Swift gets six carries for six yards. Now, in in some ways that doesn't give you again any of the nuance because he has a nine-yard touchdown run where you see the jets, you see the explosion, he's able to slice through and score pretty easily. He also has a handful of carries where they toss it to him and he's swarmed under like seven or eight yards behind the line of scrimmage, which again is how you average one yard because you have a bunch of very negative plays you would ask the question of you know what's the scoop on swift and what do we expect there i mean the main issue is just that he's not nearly 100 percent they're not in it they win this game to go to three and six all these games are going to be important for the coaching staff so uh, from that perspective i mean obviously they're trying to win regardless but there is pressure on them and yet where he is health wise he's not going to be used a ton but the good news is that he was used and emphasized down in the red zone. He has the touchdown run. He also has a pitch to him on a third and short where he kind of looks like he's going to beat the defenders, but maybe doesn't have the explosion on that one that you want to see. He goes up, tries to to lunge for the end zone kind of at the sideline. The defenders grab him and kind of carry him out of bounds at the one and then the lions actually go for it and do score on that play he also has a target in the red zone where if the ball isn't wildly underthrown, maybe he scores a touchdown on that so he was very involved in there he could have had multiple touchdowns pretty easily but when you finish a game with 12 yards then your fantasy managers have to be very concerned about your playability in the short term
1: yeah and it kind of feels with him like he isn't hundred percent healthy like you mentioned, and it, normally you would have him, you know, sat down for a week or two, then he comes back, he's pretty much hundred percent. But they are playing him through it. And that one you mentioned it felt there like he has a blocker and he has one man to beat. It looks like he's pretty much easily beat his one man and it, the blocker gets free. And it's kind of that second player that that stops him getting in there. But let's hope that we're moving back towards full strength, uh, DeAndre Swift. And if you did start him this week, sure, I'm sure you did, if uh if you have him in your roster, um you know that touchdown hopefully is enough to, to push you through sean some interesting games but i have to go here to talk about the kansas city chiefs who continue to win their games they're now seven and two obviously the result for the buffalo Bills massive from a nfl perspective itself for the playoff seasons based on the chiefs then continuing to win. they are seven and two the jaguars lose on the road the jaguars put up a little bit of a, a fight in this at, at certain points they start off with the onside kick i thought they they done some fun stuff in it i thought trevor lawrence looked good at points he has 259 yards two touchdowns a 26 yards rushing to go with that christian Kirkshawn, i think continues to look really really good i know the the contract situation huge deal for him and the money that he got but he is he is looking very very uh good as the season continues to progress he has 12 targets here nine receptions 105 yards two touchdowns the other heavily targeted player is zay jones he has 10 targets eight receptions or 68 yards patrick mahomes may be the most underrated quarterback in the nfl at the minute as he just continues to, to put up three and four touchdown games 300 yards you know 39 rushing yards added onto it and it, it just isn't getting talked about and um yeah, he just look, looked excellent here again just obviously the one blemish been the interception but that leads to travis kelsey getting in the end zone mbs getting in the end zone kadarius tony gets in the end zone Juice Miss Schuster is a scary hit here. He leaves the game early. Um, so his numbers obviously affected by that. But we've seen MBS get involved a little bit more recently. Kadarius Tony, though, Sean is the one that I want to mention. He gets five targets, four receptions, fifty-seven yards, and one touchdown. Tony, I think, is going to be a, a fantastic fit fitness. He also adds 33 rushing yards. First of all, what's your thoughts on Mahomes being underrated? And then Kadarius tony Was he ever actually injured for the giants
2: (laughs) the tony deal is is pretty weird but on mahomes like he was going to have another one of these games where he throws for 350 400 yards and maybe five touchdowns and does it in this environment as you you alluded to where he's dealing with all of these different pieces all the time there's absolutely no running game now in this one pacheco actually looked pretty good he does this little shoulder shake thing as he's running that makes it look like he's actually making moves or doing something athletic when all he's doing is kind of shimmying he's not it, 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 there's a naji harris element to it where it's like you, you don't it's like run forward or make a move but you don't need to be doing all this extra body action when it's not you do want
1: to have a Najee harris element to your game you don't, you don't. Uh, the thing
2: that's nice is the Pacheco actually is at least dynamic in a straight line, which you can't say for Harris, but he fumbles. So they they have the onside kick, which I thought was awesome for the Jags. And then the chiefs go out there and stop them with their underrated defense. The chiefs look like they're going to go down and quickly score and take the lead and Pacheco fumbles. So if this is another game where you thought maybe Rojo will be active because mckinnon was it seemed legitimately questionable he does catch six passes for 56 yards he does carry once he was the target i believe on the interception and made basically zero effort to (laughs) fight through the defender for the ball it it seemed like we might get a real joe sighting we obviously don't then pacheco fumbles to start and you're feeling that feeling (laughs) we've been having all year with this but then you got to give pacheco credit because he looked good the rest of the way this is the guy that they saw in training camp this is the guy who has won the job away from clyde edwards a layer in part because edwards just can't play at all but when you look at him the 16 carries to 82 yards the chiefs are going to be excited to have that element but so Mahomes is doing it with no running game the sort of manufactured touch guy who's been dynamic for him over the last month, and Hardman is out for this game. And then early on, you have Juju Smith-Schuster knocked out. So that's another one where fantasy managers, I think, have to be disappointed, slash frustrated, slash worried for the player and, and his health because this was one of those plays where this was a, a flagrant late hit, and it, the officials pick up the flag. That part made no sense, and I think really incenses you if you care about player safety and or are a chiefs fan or a juju fan to have that flag picked up was one of the most ridiculous calls you'll see all season and as we mentioned there there have been a lot of bad calls but so you lose juju who has been the kind of safety net and foundation guy even though he doesn't have the explosion that he had when he was 21 22 out there and still you go down the the field you get the touchdown to noah gray which we've seen you get the touchdown to mvs i mean he has a, a good game for basically the first time as a chief you have the touchdown to travis kelsey which is not surprising he seems to catch a touchdown uh every, every few receptions but tony really the story he catches a pass down the sideline a little bit of broken coverage, not really covered but he does the the one foot hopping into the end zone play which you'd like to see the athleticism doesn't go out of bounds there like a lot of receivers will you mentioned he also had the carries. Those 33 yards there, able to very easily replace some of the things that Hardman has done. And then he, too, had one of these crazy one-handed catches in this game. And so you kind of saw the full range of talent that Tony can bring. I mean, I don't know, know how hurt he was with the Giants. You don't bring that level of talent and get traded for peanuts unless you're doing a lot of things wrong. Sometimes these guys will have a little bit of a honeymoon period with their new team. And then the types of behaviors that got them audios from the last place will creep up. But if there's ever going to be a spot where he can be successful, it's going to be when you have the greatest quarterback of all time throwing to you and quite possibly one of the top two or three coaches of all time working with you. Number one, Andy Reid, a player's coach. Number two, just a fantastic schemer and play caller. This is where everybody should want to be. This is where, you know, we thought Sky Moore might flourish, but it does look like right now that if you have Kadarius Tony on a dynasty roster, he is going to be absolute gold. And that as we go forward, this team is going to have more firepower because they made that move. We'll see. We'll see. But, I mean, he looked fantastic today and almost certainly has a very limited number of plays that he's still working with. The sky really is the limit for him. You mentioned, is Patrick Mahomes underrated? I know that we've talked about it a number of times on the show, and we're mostly just kind of joking back and forth. But when you're looking at someone's career 30 years from now, or you're kind of summing up his career 10 or 15 years from now, when you're going through the different awards, the fact that Mahomes was robbed of some MVPs, that he really deserved to win, that matters, right? Because when you're going to be counting up against someone like a Tom Brady, all of those things are going to be, well, this is Mahomes' column. This is Brady's column. You're going to have to go and win some Super Bowls. You're going to have to continue to do all those stuff with the gaudy statistics. Mahomes on pace to blow everybody away and just so many statistical categories. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that he wasn't recognized as the best player in football the last couple of years, I I thought was, was wrong. But, again, so many good players out there, and one of them, Aaron Rodgers, column today – He looked like himself. They get behind and they come back. They still do this kind of weird thing where they run the ball incessantly. But Christian Watson, the guy who is the freak athlete that they wanted to use to replace Devontae Adams, at least some of that element, they appear to have gotten, I don't know if a diamond in the rough is really the right term for it because Romeo Dobbs has just simply been good right from the get-go. But today, As you look at the Packers and you look forward, you could even think they might have gotten two, maybe borderline stars. If you look forward, say two years, is Rogers still going to be part of it at that point? We don't know, but it was kind of a crazy day along those lines where Monty Fon, who is one of the best FFPC players in the world, plays all the different formats, has written some cool articles for us on numerous occasions. He and I have a dynasty league in the RV triflex format over there with the FFPC. Anybody who's thinking about that, make sure you grab an orphan and sign up for some startups next year. You will love it. It's just the perfect format. We have been in some trade negotiations with a listener to the shows, subscriber to Rotovis, an excellent FFPC player who I've had the great Pleasure of co-managing a main event team with this year. And we've just been talking about, you know, how we can make both teams work. And we were looking at this move to potentially trade away Gabe Davis and David Montgomery, get back Ramondre Stevenson and a potential wide receiver. We had to find a guy who was sort of low enough down to make that work. And the player who fit before today was Christian Watson, who Obviously someone drafted at the end of first rounds and rookie drafts, but prior to today's game had certainly lost a ton of that value. I think that you could make a strong argument that he would be down below Romeo Dobbs, a strong argument that if you did your rookie draft again before today's game, that he would fall out of the entire second round as well, already trending very heavily in the bust direction. McCollum, Christian Watson absolutely changed the narrative on himself today four receptions three touchdowns and frankly if he doesn't kind of quit on a route where he doesn't think the ball's going to be thrown to him he had a 58 yard touchdown sitting in his lap which would have he been lost the fourth. ball yeah
1: yeah <laughs> so
2: i mean how fired up are you guys as as green bay packers fans today
1: people will know when, i think i even said it on last week's show that like that was the season was done i had put a fork in the season and it was it's like yeah, you know the sopranos or the Godfather like you know once I thought I was out they they've kind of dragged me back and this was the most fun I've had watching a Packers game all season and most of that is because you're seeing the young players get an opportunity you mentioned them rushing the ball an excessive amount they do rush it here 39 times one of those being you know the needed downs not at the end but the Packers problem for quite a part of the season was they they weren't rushing it enough so this is probably a swing in the opposite direction but Aaron jones has 24 attempts in this 138 yards one touchdown dylan has 13 attempts for 65 yards this game was interesting in the first half it was pretty much i think Rodgers maybe had six pass attempts at halftime they were really focusing on the run game then in this the start of the second half in the third quarter the, Cow, the cowboys put up two unanswered touchdowns that leads to a situation where there's a, a 14 point lead in the fourth quarter and the packers then come back and match it up through christian Watson to tie it to put it to overtime for the Packers to win but you mentioned that pass to the kind of corner of the end zone that he kind of looks back loses the ball and that might just be something as a rookie you know he has the one thing everyone said about Christian Watson is how raw he is coming in but this here was was spectacular and you know he really showed off his full range of athleticism on those plays pretty much on the all just running away from the defenders so you know we talk about Aaron Rodgers sometimes and you know rookie receivers and how that comes on but this might be a, a one game and then when we look back you know in six weeks we might be saying well that was the highlight of the season but you know if we get him in a stretch here with dobbs unfortunately going to miss some games and we can maybe have a few wins and, and get the two of them back together if not this season it is exciting to have those young wide receivers showing those flashes of of huge potential uh, this was it was spectacular to see watson do this today a quiet day as well for lazard but sean i have to say Aaron rogers we have seen competitive spirit again. From maybe you picked up on something last week, Sean. When you, I told you he was he was out there competing. We see him lay blocks. We see him. You know, th- there was one time where um, they go for it on on third down, and it's a pass play that's called, and they don't get it. And he's going to the sideline furious, and he's shouting to Matt Lafleur, "Run the effing ball!" So you know uh, he wants to get these wins. But yeah, I thought it was it was fun Aaron uh, Jones is a fumble late in this game that he recovers himself but Aaron Rodgers is the first player there ready to get into the pile you know i, I really thought that this was a, a fun one kind of a bit of an old school overall performance you kind of hinted out there not peak packers because there was definitely issues and they still have Amari Rodgers rogers returning punts he fumbles another another punt on this game so i i don't know what they're, they're going to do there that seems like you know the bears or the lions or the vikings have you know actually sent him over there as like a a double agent i I don't know what we're going to say at this point the other side is dak prescott looked concerning at times in this game Uh, we've seen the packers defense struggle but he had two interceptions one of those you know pretty close into the the end zone in this game and uh, tony pollard is in place for zeke He he's 115 yards and 22 attempts one touchdown for him he has six targets three receptions 13 yards with Ceedee lamb this was an amazing game that's probably going to get overlooked by watson but lamb looked fantastic in this he had 15 targets 11 receptions 150 yards and two touchdowns so shout out to cd who you know there was a lot of concerns at the start of the season i think we'll still have concerns moving forward at times but he he's starting to put it together a little bit more than we had seen previously
2: yeah and i think that one of the positives for lamb here is just how easy he made all of this look to come in 15 targets to go for 150 yards to score two touchdowns and have it almost be blasé i mean that's the sign in many cases of a dominant receiver because again it just it it shouldn't be that easy and especially within the context of this overall game where as you mentioned Dak prescott was awful throws 46 times doesn't even get the 270 yards averages less than six yards per attempt throws two picks takes a couple sacks from a fantasy perspective he was fine and from a fantasy perspective you really got what you're looking for out of this entire dallas offense because tony pollard goes for 115 and a score you get all those points for lamb you get dalton schultz more involved today with the eight targets catches six for 54 and a touchdown so all of the principals score their fantasy points and yet this offense didn't look the way that it needs to look prescott just has to be better and there have been a lot of different occasions this season where that's been the case it was the case in week one and had me very concerned about lamb he's obviously been able to rally off of that even with the backup quarterback and the very conservative game plans for a big chunk of the season this team is going to score they're going to put up the fantasy points but to be where they want to be and this is a big loss for them they fall to six and three they're falling off the pace of not just the eagles but the giants A winnable game like this, you have to win. You have to play better on defense. But the offense, I think, has to do their part of it and carry you. Prescott just hasn't looked right. I don't know that he's completely healthy. But also, I don't think that he is the star type of player that they would like. And that's not necessarily fair to ask. There are only going to be a handful of players in any course of time in the NFL who are at the Mahomes level, who are at the Josh Allen level. He's not really there. And they're going to need the rest of the guys to carry him in this game. You could argue that they did, but you have a lot of these additional targets to players that aren't particularly helping you. And a second guy probably needs to step up. Michael Gallup, the seven targets, he only gets 35 yards in this game. You can definitely understand why they would be one of the teams interested
0: in Odell Beckham.
1: Sean, it's time for the WinBet Rapid Fire segment of the week. We're going to go through a couple of games. I have a few key questions that we're going to pick out after it. But you can sign up to WinBet today and receive a special sports offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download the WinBet app now or visit WYNNbet.com to start winning. Sean, kicking this segment off with the game. Obviously, we talked about Cooper Cup's injury. That is very unfortunate. We'll see what the news comes from with that. But the Rams played the Cardinals and kind of the the backup QB Bowl, I guess we'll call it. We had John Walford facing off against Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy coming out the better of the two overall. Stat lines very, very similar for both 238 yards for Colt McCoy, one touchdown. John Walford with 212, one touchdown, one interception. We're not looking at them for fantasy points, even though I did face off against a few teams that had to slot those in, obviously with the injury side, because you miss out on Kyler Murray, you're missing out on Matthew Stafford. People are looking for other quarterbacks. So that was a tricky situation for some people today but nothing really of note i'd say unfortunately the cooper cup side to talk about with the rams in my opinion in this game we do get tighter high eight targets hit perception 73 yards but he leads the way there nothing going for the, the running backs here it's split nobody with more than six carries 20 total carries for the team 66 yards one touchdown we do get henderson getting in the end zone but james connor looked pretty good in this one sean with You know, not having Kyler there as a quarterback. He kind of led the team in terms of getting into the end zone. Two touchdowns, 69 yards, 21 carries for him, only 26 total carries. So he leads the way. And four of those were Colt McCoy. DeAndre Hopkins has looked great since he's come back. He has 98 yards, 10 receptions, 14 targets. You mentioned earlier Rondell Moore's catch was spectacular. He's getting more and more involved 13 targets, 94 yards on nine receptions for him. And, And Connor is next in line with the three for 17. Zach Ertz did get injured in this one. That looked pretty, pretty bad as well. So um, unfortunately, the injuries starting to pile up on the season. But the game that I really want to get your thoughts on, Sean, because this was an interesting one. We've seen the Dolphins go through Tyreek Hill and Jalen and Waddle for weeks. We've seen two uh, continue to play fantastic. They dominated in this one, the Cleveland Browns, who have looked good at points this season. But they are now three and six. The Dolphins are 7-3, 39-17. Tua gets three touchdowns, 285 yards. The big question, though, not the big question, my big takeaway is going to be around the running backs. We have Jalen Waddell, five targets, four receptions, 66. We have Tyreek Hills, six targets, five receptions, and 44 and one touchdown for him. So we're not getting the wide receivers involved this week, but they have been on the brink of getting some big rush plays over the last month or so obviously they trade for jeff wilson jr Um, a lot of change in the backfield so it looks like make that trade mostard should have a share of the backfield as he was working towards that to be kind of the lead the lead guy here but 17 rush attempts for jeff wilson jr 119 yards one touchdown he has a long of 20 we have mostard though looking explosive too with a long of 24 the eight carries 65 yards one touchdown for him there as well and both of them used In the passing game, four targets for Mostert, five targets for Wilson, two receptions for Mostert or four receptions for Mostert, two receptions for Wilson. So both been heavily featured in this game and in different ways. What was your thoughts overall on the running backs here leading the way? And who is the guy? We obviously have a, a lot of Mostert exposure. If you could make the decision today to pick one of them rest of season, who is that running back that that you'd still prefer? Would it be Mostert or would it be Jeff Wilson?
2: Well, you would definitely want to have Wilson, right? He's looked unbelievable since coming over from the 49ers. Doubles Mostert up in carries today. One of the things here is just that they didn't necessarily need Mostert late. He breaks off the long touchdown run early and is giving you those things that you want. Even in a situation here where he's massively upstaged by Jeff Wilson, he has a big game from a fantasy perspective with that touchdown run. In with the four catches. In games where he's going to catch four passes, it's going to be very difficult for him not to come through for you. I mean, you'd love to get that entire workload and be putting up some 30-point games. That would really carry you the way some of our receiver RB picks carried fantasy managers in the fantasy playoffs last year. Obviously, very possible still that Jeff Wilson gets hurt, very possible that Raheem Mostert gets hurt. And in that case, you would assume that the remaining player. Not that they'll get every touch, because I don't think they even really want either of those guys to touch the ball quite that often. But they will get a lot. The thing that I think will be difficult here is to maintain the receiving volume for both players. This is a weird one, where Waddle and Hill combined for only 11 targets. That has been a pretty unusual in the season. You look at this game, and the two running backs combined for 25 carries, and you're thinking, well, that's not good if you're specifically running everything in terms of your own fantasy plan through either Waddle or for Hill, you find out the two still through 32 passes and three touchdowns. And you're like, oh, you know, we're fine. But it was not concentrated at all today. Again, I don't think that's a problem for them. I don't think it's a problem for fantasy managers. You're going to have some games like this. What they were doing is not something that you're going to get all 17 games at any point in time. I think you would be pretty excited that they just – Absolutely eviscerated what I think is an underrated Cleveland Browns team. Although they've had some games like this where they flat out look bad, the Browns obviously came in and said, You know, we're not gonna let Waddle and Hill beat us like they've beaten everybody else. I mean, you can scheme to stop those guys and at least force them to do the secondary approach. What we found out today, and what I think is not surprising based on what the Dolphins have done all season, is that their backup plan is very good, their plan B better than almost all teams plan a what they're doing right now is a little bit like what we might have expected the 49ers to do the commentary team for the Sunday night game pointing out how many all pro teams different starters on the 49ers offense have made you look at a a team with a Christian McCaffrey a Debo Samuel and a George Kittle and then you add the person who was actually the most dynamic in this game tonight in terms of Brandon Ayuk you add in an elite backup running back in Elijah Mitchell, who outperformed McCaffrey in many ways in the game tonight. And you're thinking that they're going to score at will, but even if you had enthusiasm for Waddle and Hill coming into the season, as we did, even if you had enthusiasm for Raheem Mostert, I mean, one of the reasons why we can kind of handle this performance here and even handle the Jeff Wilson thing, Zachary Krueger was messaging me throughout the day because one of our FFPC best ball teams, that is a, lamar jackson kyler murray team and you know mildly frustrating thing today is i have quite a few of those teams it doesn't help you if Kyler murray is out during lamar jackson's bye but in part because we have jeff wilson to go with deontay foreman it looks like that team is going to be the highest scoring team of the week and extend its first place lead even with zero qb points so There were some fun silver linings today. But even with all of that Miami Dolphins enthusiasm, and obviously Wilson not a part of the team until recently, it still would be very easy, if not expected, for them to have more games like what we saw from the 49ers tonight. And for the 49ers to be playing a little bit more like the Dolphins, it's been exactly the other direction. The Dolphins look very, very, very good. And even though defense hasn't necessarily been their strength this year, they took Amari Cooper completely out of this game. We've been giving Amari Cooper credit for outperforming what we thought he was going to do. Today's game, a little bit more back in the direction of the type of performance, not that we expected to see every week, but thought maybe we would have a little bit more off in this season. He's been a tricky player to play because his games have been either very impressive or more or less complete duds like this one was. The Dolphins also able to not eliminate, but limit Nick Chubb when you see him with 11 carries for 63 yards and Kareem Hunt with six carries for nine yards, uh, this is one of those situations where there was a a point in time in this game before it got too out of hand or Kareem Hunt is hurting them. I think that from the Browns perspective, you want to get those Chubb carries in first. And then if you need to use Hunt late because you've sort of used up Chubb, you can do that some listeners are going to say well i mean then you have hunt in for the high leverage plays but this game gets out of hand in part because nick chubbs is simply not used enough you've got to use him to keep the game close or those high leverage plays
1: never happen yeah and uh, i i do think that you know the dolphins you were kind of touching it there but we talked about the bills we talked about the chiefs they are now seven and three they really look to be on a trajectory here where i think it's probably a couple of years early uh, listeners to the show may know i'm an arsenal fan in soccer they're arriving here a couple of years early in terms of their challenge for for some championships here hopefully but the dolphins feel like they might have thought this was a another couple of years down the line but they make the move for hill they make that move at the deadline which could turn out to be a, a game changer in the long run getting jeff wilson in there who just looks fantastic and you mentioned the defensive side i was really pleased with them in this game to see they did go in the opposite direction so it's not just a case of they only will win through the air but we also know what they can do it was also a game where you know at one point here in the third quarter they are well and truly in you know multiple touchdown lead territory so um not, not one that they really needed to force to the, the wide receivers and also interesting that that you know two is still gets there without having to, to push it to those guys so they they're looking pretty complete at the moment the dolphins uh, yeah a real fun watch at this point in time but sean that's going to do it for the recap show today but what i want to mention before we finish up is i often joke that i record this show very early for the recap show i had a technical issue we'll call it my alarm didn't go off today so sean is the mvp of the the week here as we were recording this very late his time so thanks to i'm sure the listeners will be very appreciative that sean stayed up to to do this extra late but that is going to wrap up the starting portion here basically off our week 10 recap show as we will cover the rest of the games when we do get to it sean teased sunday night football a few times we'll talk about that on the tuesday recap show so make sure you are subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast feed to get that as soon as it comes out hopefully whatever you need on monday night football to get you over the line to get those wins in week 10 will happen today's show was brought to you by blue wire and WinBet my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at Overtime Ireland and my co-host as always is Sean Siegel but until we are back on Tuesday have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotovis Radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotovis Radio homepage rotovis.com forward slash podcast.